Hey, Catholic Divas, this is the month of August, and we are going to be having a conversation about breastfeeding and the benefits of breastfeeding, how it relates to natural family planning, how it relates to our spiritual life, and all the things. So come on in and hear the interview with Gina Peterson with Catholic Nursing Mothers League. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen, and let's do this. Welcome back to Cycles and Sanctity. I'm Mama Jane, and today I have a very special guest. Her name is Gina Peterson. She is an IBCLC. I mentioned to you last week that For the month of August, we're going to be celebrating breastfeeding because August is National Breastfeeding Month, and breastfeeding can be used as a form of natural family planning, which we're going to be learning about. Gina is a mother of five, and she homeschools. She and her husband have been married for 27 years, and as I mentioned, she's an IBCLC, which stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Try to say that five times. And she's also the executive director of the Catholic Nursing Mothers League. She has a blog that we will put in the show notes that you can connect with her. What the Catholic Nursing Mother League does is it supports and encourages mothers in breastfeeding and the lifestyle of ecological breastfeeding. She's also the author of Getting Started with Breastfeeding for Catholic Mothers. She has a BS in mathematics and a BS in basic science from New Mexico Tech, and she's an adjunct faculty member of the mathematics department at the University of New Mexico in Las Almas branch. Welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was so excited. So, So tell me a little bit. So you started to study in mathematics and science. How did you get into understanding breastfeeding and supporting other women with breastfeeding? Just by having children. So my husband and I met in college and we got married in college. And then just so many months after I finished up my my first bachelor's degree, I had my first son and I was a stay-at-home mom and I just found parenting and breastfeeding was so special to me. And so then I originally became a La Leche League leader, and then and then I just kind of I kept going, <laughs> and became a lactation consultant, and and then also helped found Catholic Nursing Mothers League. That's fabulous. That's so wonderful. I'm always curious of, did you just use breastfeeding as your natural child spacing, or did you guys use a form of natural family planning? So for my first four kids, they were based exclusively with breastfeeding. I was also charting my signs, my cycles on the side, but we wanted more children. And so it was completely through breastfeeding. Awesome. So, Did you use Symptotherma or, cause I teach the Billings method and that's what we primarily talk about on this podcast, but I'm always curious because there are so many methods. I've tried kind of almost all of them. <laughs> you know, I've tried the Symptothermal method, Creighton, like right now I actually use the Marquette method plus temperature. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> that okay. seems to be like the best fit for me at this stage of my life. So I think kind of what I do is as my life changes, then I see which method maybe is going to fit the circumstances best maybe. Yes. Yeah. And that is one of those things that each person, just like what I have discovered, that's why we have so many different orders or so many different charisms, right? Dominican's not the same as a Franciscan. It's not the same as a Carmelite. I personally like the Billings method because it's so simple. One of the things I've talked about on this podcast is that it really teaches a woman to trust her own intuition and her own body, which is what I find with breastfeeding. So just a little about my story of breastfeeding. I had my first daughter in the military and didn't know I have older brothers and sisters and all my sisters and sister-in-laws breastfed. So I knew I wanted to breastfeed, but we were in Germany. Of course, this is way before computers and things like that. So I didn't have, I didn't even know what a breast pump was. I didn't even consider that, <laughs> all that good stuff. So I exclusively breastfed for the first six weeks while I was on maternity leave. And then I got back and I had to go on a trip. My poor husband, it was so crazy. My daughter would drink formula sun up to sundown, but as soon as the sun went down, she wanted mama and that week I was at a training and my poor husband had to sit in her bedroom, lay on the floor. And he was up every hour with her and he would try to offer her this formula, this bottle. She just wouldn't take it. And then he said, it was like magic, like six o'clock came around and all of a sudden she just guzzled it. And then as soon as I came in that Friday night, I got home and took off my uniform and breastfed her, which was so crazy. And then that happened for another, I guess, about three or four weeks. And then I had to go out into the actual field in the military and I didn't have access. And when I was training during the day, I was in classes and then at night I went home and I just would cry as I take a shower and pump and dump. But when I was in the field, I didn't have that opportunity. And I, I started my menstruation and I didn't know anything. And I thought that because I started my menstruation, I couldn't breastfeed. And so we had a nanny. So I called her and just told her, you better figure it out. She's going to stay on formula. And so she got about six or seven weeks of breastfeeding. But but share with me a little bit about that myth of you can't breastfeed while you're menstruating. Yeah, I would definitely say that's a myth. You can definitely breastfeed while you're menstruating. Sometimes in different parts of your cycle, you might notice kind of like dips in your supply a little bit, but usually after a few days, it kind of comes back up. Usually the baby will notice and just start nursing more often and then it'll come right back up. But yeah, because some women don't have menses for months or years when they're breastfeeding and then some, it does return early and they keep breastfeeding for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about ecological breastfeeding. You've mentioned that. What is ecological breastfeeding first? Why don't you define that for our, our listeners? So it's, I kind of think of it as a lifestyle of breastfeeding. So it's not just exclusively breastfeeding. It's also staying close to your baby and avoiding separation and also trying to avoid bottles and pacifiers. And then also co-sleeping with your baby during naps and at bedtime. And then just following your baby's lead, how often they want to nurse. And then this type of breastfeeding tends to delay the return of fertility, even more so than just exclusively breastfeeding. So how would you distinguish between exclusively breastfeeding and ecologically breastfeeding? 
So I think with exclusively breastfeeding, there isn't really a mention of like pacifier use or avoiding separation or sleeping with your baby, those sorts of things. If you kind of look at the lactation amenorrhea method, some websites will just say you need to just nurse on demand, but some will say, well, you don't want to go more than say four hours during the day and six hours at night. I've kind of seen both depending on which website, but I think ecological breastfeeding, you're staying close with your baby. So I don't think you would, you wouldn't tend to go more than four hours if you're with your baby all the time. And so I think there's a greater frequency of nursing with, with the ecological breastfeeding. Definitely. Yeah. So it sounds like actually a different mindset, right? The ecological breastfeeding is more noticing and being intuitive and intentional with your mother and caring for your child through breastfeeding, not just through feeding, but caring for the emotional support. And like you said, the, you know, the sleeping together, and I know that's so important. I remember that was a huge difference with us. <clears throat> with my second, my son, I was ecologically breastfeeding. First of all, it gave me the great rest that I needed because I am a type of person that once I wake up and my feet hit the floor, I'm up for hours. And I remember doing that with my daughter when we lived in Germany, we lived in like the split level. So I would have to get up and walk down the steps, go get the bottle, go back to her room, sit there in the rocking chair, feed her, and then she would go to sleep. And then I would sit there in bed for hours and hours and I would barely fall asleep. But my understanding is, is with ecological breastfeeding and when you're sleeping, what happens is biologically, the baby and the mother's sleep patterns actually coincide. So when the baby is ready to actually wake up and feed, you're in a light pattern of sleep naturally anyway. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Your breathing patterns are usually similar. Yeah. And also where you kind of where you are in your sleep patterns. And a lot of times moms will even wake up even like a minute before their baby wakes up, or even if their baby is just kind of just starting to wake up, just moving a little if you're right next to your baby, then you're, you're aware and you wake up. And then I think the nice thing with co-sleeping is that there's less going on. You know, like you said, like when you have to get up to get a bottle, your, your body's just waking up more and more and more, right? Cause you're getting it and you're sitting in the rocking chair and then you have to go back to sleep. But if you're right next to your baby, then you latch the baby on and you go right back to sleep sometimes within 30 seconds, a minute. So I think that it's more conducive to better sleep. Definitely. Yes. I think for me personally, because we had our daughter right away and then we had seven years of infertility and then we have four other children and co-seeping was such a gift. Just that idea of having permission to bring your baby into your bed and trusting your body that your body's going to know where the baby is. Cause that's one of those fears that many people, Oh, I'm going to roll over on the baby. And I know with my husband, with the first two, he would put a pillow between him and the baby because he was concerned. And of course it's the husband is not on the same wavelength, right? <laughs> but then by the third one, he kind of knew and he just trusted and it's a beautiful gift. I think it's not talked about and not really promoted in many mothering and parenting books or whatever of the ability to co-sleep. 
So, well, tell me how does breastfeeding, so you talked a little bit, you said your own self, you had four of your children, you ecologically breastfed to naturally child spacing. And that's the terminology, right? Natural child spacing. So how did that work? What are the ages of your children? So the first four, they're all actually almost exactly three years apart. Wow. That's fantastic. And so with my first son, my cycles returned at 21 months. And then for me, my experience was with each child, I actually had more more and more months of amenorrhea. And so then with my daughter, my fifth child, I had 31 months of amenorrhea. But I hear that not every woman experiences that. I kind of think that for me, I felt like maybe I was becoming more in tune with each baby, like growing in that closeness and being able to read the baby better. But I'm sure it just depends on the person and on the mother and the baby. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about it, right? Is that every mother is unique. Every baby is unique. Every birthing experience is unique. And we're not the same mother that you were with your first child with your fifth child, because you know more, you have more experience and also you have more help, right? With the, yeah. with the other siblings and stuff. That's awesome. So talk to us a little bit about breastfeeding and recovery from postpartum. Cause I know many times women can have a, a traumatic postpartum. And I know from my experience, from my first one to my second one, it was just such a huge difference just because I learned so much on how to prepare and things like that. And like I said, I was breastfeeding. I co-slept with my son. So it seemed like postpartum was a little bit easier to recover, but share with us a little bit about how breastfeeding can help support a mother in postpartum. So first of all, I do think that breastfeeding helps the mom rest. You know, we touched on that a little bit just because I think if you weren't breastfeeding, you might feel like more on the go. Whereas if, if, if you're breastfeeding and the baby needs to nurse, it's kind of making you sit down and rest and make that time, you know, to take care of the baby. And then I think it's taking care of you too. And then if you lay down with the baby to take a nap, then you're also getting rest. And and they have done studies where between breastfeeding and formula fed moms and breastfeeding moms do get a little bit more sleep, particularly at night. And then also breastfeeding helps your uterus contract and get back to normal quicker. So there's less risk of um, hemorrhage. Also, breastfeeding can reduce the risk of postpartum depression. And then also, not every woman, but a lot of women are able to um, lose weight with breastfeeding. And so I think all those things really help a lot. Yes, I love the aspect of the lessening of the postpartum depression. Now, of course, there are still women that have breastfed that do have postpartum depression and there's markers and we're now much more aware and and the conversation can happen. But one of the things I've been talking about before was the hormone oxytocin. Will you share with us that gift of oxytocin? Like I'm always so fascinated by the hormone oxytocin and it's like our hidden little secret of, will you, will you share a little bit like since you're the IBCLC and I'm not, I'm not. Well, oxytocin, I know it helps with the letdown and helps get them. Are you talking about 
how it can like prolactin, I know relaxes you and makes you sleepy. I think oxytocin might help with that a little bit too. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And just that joy and that euphoria, because I know it's commonly considered the cuddle hormone, right? Because it just makes us feel good when we're cuddling or human touch or breastfeeding during the letdown. And of course, during vaginal birth and then also orgasm is when the body just naturally releases oxytocin. So it's that feel good hormone that to my little, like I said, I'm not the scientist. I just know what I know. (laughs) But what I have personally experienced, like oxytocin has really helped with postpartum depression because it lessens the depression. It gives you more of the feel good hormone, right? Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would say, and also prolactin because prolactin is the one that really helps I mean, it tells your body to keep making that milk, at least in the beginning. And then it's not quite as crucial like later on. But yeah, the oxytocin and the prolactin, they both help with, like you said, like joy and also their relaxation. And I think that's something that if you weren't breastfeeding, you're not going to experience that because those hormones aren't happening. Right, right. Well, or at least if you're breastfeeding, it's they're happening more often, right? Yeah. And so you have a more of a drip, if you will. So right, um, right. Well, yeah. t- tell me what what are the benefits of breastfeeding? Why would you recommend a, a woman to breastfeed? Well, as you know, there's so many benefits. I mean, there's so many physical benefits to the baby and to the mom. And so, like the baby, it decreases the risk of things like diabetes and obesity. Also things like Crohn's disease. And then also the studies they've done, they've shown a a tiny little bit of increased IQ. There's all those wonderful immunities you get in the colostrum, but also in the mature milk. It decreases the risk of SIDS. And also necrotizing and tericolitis. That's something that I think it's real common in more in premature babies. And Mm -hmm. it can be life-threatening. And so by breastfeeding, you're really decreasing the risk of that. So Will you even tell us what that is? Because I can't even, I wouldn't even even be, be able to pronounce what you just said. I think, I can't remember what the illness is, but I know that it, it increases like a lot of diarrhea. And I think oh, that's mm-hmm. where the problem is. The baby mm-hmm. gets dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And so if you're breastfeeding, then that's going to reduce your risk of that. So that's why it is a good idea. Like if you have a premature baby that even if you're not going to breastfeed, you should try to get donor milk if you can to just reduce the risk of that. Yes. Other benefits like jaw development and teeth development. And then like for the mom, it's also like a lower risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer and all those kinds of female type cancers. Mm-hmm. And And also I think osteoporosis also maybe. Yes. I remember reading about that as well, which is kind of interesting. It's yeah. Something about, well, with the breast cancer, obviously, because we're, I mean, we're actually using our breasts the way they're created to be right is to, to feed our babies. Right. So tell me a little bit about this Catholic nursing mother's league. When did you start this? Tell me the story. Cause I'm just so interested oh. about this. Oh yeah, sure. So we started Catholic Nursing Mothers League in 2006, and kind of how it came about was Sheila Kipley, she wrote a book called Breastfeeding and Catholic Motherhood, and I read the book, and this other woman named Pamela Pilch, she also read the book, and in the book, she talked about how 
like a volunteer lactation consultant, maybe want to start a group at like at a church or something. And at the time, let's see, I think I was still preparing to become a lactation consultant. I think I became, I think I first certified in 2007. And so I was kind of on that path and we both contacted Sheila and then she put us in touch with each other. And then we just started kind of developing this ministry this and it's it's an actual an organization you know so mm-hmm. that's set up um, but I like to call it a ministry <laughs> yeah and so that's kind of how it got started Pam was also a love lecture league leader like I was and so a couple of the ideas you know from the lecture league were kind of in the back of our minds so you can kind of see a little little bits of it here and there and how we have it set up so in the beginning we were really wanting to do kind of like our allegedly leaders. We kind of wanted something similar. So what I call it with a Catholic Nursing Mothers League is a, a mentor. And the idea is that a mom would just help another mom. And it would just be helping her with some common breastfeeding issues, nothing complex. You know, we kind of want to distinguish the role from she's not a breastfeeding counselor or she's not a love league leader. She's just kind of like a friend helping another friend. So we have 28 mentors in three different countries. Wow. And then they can help moms one-on-one or they can also like set up a group in their parish if they want, or they could do whatever they feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a monthly online meeting for the last year or two now, and that's been going really well. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So this is really interesting, the timeline, because I became a La Leche League leader in spring of 2001, and then we moved down here in El Paso. So El Paso was my first place to be a leader. And then in 06, I actually stepped down because my husband got called back on active duty, and I was just overwhelmed with five kids and a one-year-old and everything. So I just kind of like missed this, but Sheila Kipley, just for our listeners, a little background, Sheila and John Kipley actually started Couple to Couple League, which is the symptothermal method of natural family planning. And she originally wrote, which I read and I, I actually taught here at the diocese when I first moved here, ecological breastfeeding. And the difference between, like you said, ecological breastfeeding is really a lifestyle of mom and babe together. And that I think is so important because in this day and age, we think that just because someone is caring for the baby, it's okay. We've forgotten the role of the mother in the child's life. And so that's so beautiful. But the other thing, what I hear is the La Leche League is in my involvement, in my understanding is non-sectarian. There's like three phrases and I forgot if I've forgotten them because it was, you know, 06 since the last time I've actually been to a allegedly leader uh, meeting. But this one is specifically for Catholics to help Catholic mothers. Is that, that's really kind of the distinction between La Leche League. While it's a good and holy thing and it was actually started by seven Catholic mothers, right? This now organization that you guys have created, uh, Catholic Nursing Mothers League, is specifically for Catholic moms supporting Catholic moms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, we wouldn't, if somebody approached us who wasn't Catholic, but still wanted to be part of the ministry somehow, we would let them you know, be part of it. It's not like exclusive to Catholics necessarily, but there's a very Catholic focus to it. 
and woven in our in our philosophy and or like in our online meetings we know we have prayer and so and that's kind of catholic focused yes and just understanding catholic anthropology of understanding male and female and the role of a mother i'm sure all of that with john paul ii's letter to women vocations and and all that right so you said you meet online when do you meet and and how could somebody learn about that yeah, so our, our monthly meeting is on the first Thursday of the month. And so we run the meetings actually in collaboration with another ministry called St. Croix Birth and Parenting. And the woman who runs St. Croix Birth and Parenting, she's also a Catholic nursing mother league mentor. And then there's also another woman who helps lead our meetings, who also is a mentor and is, is kind of part of both organizations. And it's right on our website. When you go to the blog, there's um, these three little lines, like, especially if you're using a mobile view. And mm-hmm. if you click on it, you can see a link to register for the meeting. Mm-hmm. It's usually like okay. about an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so. But yeah, we have kind of a Catholic focus woven throughout. We have prayer. Sometimes we'll have reference to like scripture, if depending on the topic of the meeting. Usually whoever's leading it will discuss the topic. And then, you know, we'll take questions here and there. And then we'll have like a discussion time. And then that's kind of how it goes. It sounds like it's not just about breastfeeding. Like La Leche League, we would have a theme for the month, something about the first few weeks and then bringing baby home and the obstacles or weaning, whatever, whatever. But it sounds like for you, it's not always just about breastfeeding. It's more spiritual development as well. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, I would say it's both. We definitely have a topic each month, like the last meeting we had was on starting solids mm-hmm. and also a little bit on return of fertility mm-hmm. while breastfeeding. And so we have like a topic, but then I would say a lot of our faith is woven into it, which is something I think that, well, sometimes like people who have either previously been involved with La Leche League, that's something that we could never do. We can never weave right. our faith into it. And so that was, that's a, one of the great things about Catholic Nursing Mothers League is I can weave my faith into it. And it's about breastfeeding and motherhood right. and all of that. Yeah. it's And it's what a great way to evangelize and build community within the, in the parish, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so let me just ask you, so if you had a parish, if someone wanted to start a parish, like, let's say we have a, a, a listener that is a breastfeeding mom already and was like, wow, I would love to do this. I would love to get other breastfeeding moms in my parish to join and just meet, what would they have to do at the beginning? Like what, what does that look like? So we have a a registration form on the website. So they would actually just fill that out. It's pretty easy. And then we ask for a letter of recommendation. And that's just because we're all in different states or different countries. This way we can kind of get to know the person a little better if we have like a letter from somebody that knows them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually I send them like a package with the books that we use in our ministry. I have these little gift bags that I like to give out to nursing moms. And so I usually put several of those in there so that they can give it to moms. And then I have a resource guide that has different ideas for meetings and how to go about helping a nursing mom. And then I'm trying to develop kind of like a short training, like an online training program. Uh-huh. But it's still kind of in the works. Right. But I kind of would like to do something like I think we'll I might be able to run another one in September. I did try one 
with one of our mentors in India. Oh, wow. And, but see, she was already a Lola League peer counselor. So it mm-hmm. kind of felt like everything I was going to be showing her, she already knew. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting. You talk about that. What do we know? And my understanding of what is that La Leche League actually is the one that pushed the whole program for IBCLC. Is that yeah. is that correct? And 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 getting certified and you know getting a little bit more more training, if you will. I mean, I always when I was a La Leche League leader, we had an IBCLC that came to our group, and she was wonderful. She was a Catholic mom, and it just so happened that we were both Catholic, and it was great that we partnered because there were certain things that maybe were a little bit more difficult situation that I could refer to her. But then she also would refer many, many people who called her from the hospital or whatever, because that support is so important these days. I mean, we just don't see breastfeeding moms. And many times what I've discovered is in the old days, you know, back in before the 50s, women just breastfed. And so it was just kind of a natural, a natural progression that you saw your mom breastfeed and you saw your aunt's breastfeed and it wasn't a really big deal. But many times a new mom has never even seen another woman breastfeed. I know for me, I remember when I first went to my first La Leche League meeting when I was pregnant, I knew that babies could be nursed as a toddler, but it was a new experience when I actually saw a toddler being nursed, you know, it was like, oh, wait, she's walking and talking. And then she runs to her mom and, you know, her mom just sits and, and, you know, nurses her and then she goes back and plays. And it was such a unique thing. So this is a real benefit. How often do they meet in parishes if they start, like you could go, so you have a choice if there's a mom that wants to breastfeed a Catholic mom who is either breastfeeding already or wants to breastfeed, they could either go online and meet, you said the first Thursdays? Yeah, that's, that's the kind of the online meeting. So it's kind of whoever, it doesn't matter where you live. It's, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then, but if they wanted, but then they could also go in person if they could find a parish or start one in their own parish. Right. And how, how have you seen the benefit? What is the fruit of that been for you and for the women that have been involved? Well, I think that just like you said, the support and encouragement, I think just focusing on not just on the technicalities of breastfeeding, but also just the mothering aspect. And I think that really shines through in like, I I used to have an in-person Catholic nursing motherly group in my parish for a few years, but it kind of fizzled. And I think it kind of, sometimes that happens, you know, you get kind of this core group of ladies and then they're unable to come anymore. And and if you don't have enough women who are having babies and want to come to a meeting, then it kind of fizzles a little bit. But I don't know. I just think that that faith support and the mothering support is just really helpful. Yeah. In this day and age, I'm so happy that you guys are doing this because it really is key. Have you thought about this? Just this is my brain going a little bit. Do you coordinate with perhaps marriage prep or even the baptism programs? Have you guys thought about that? Because I, one of the things I've talked about with my pastor is like, I just see the whole thing, a continual thing. And, and that's actually one of the reasons why I chose to homeschool was I saw that natural family planning, 
And then I was able to have a natural birth and then breastfeeding. And then I tried to do a little bit of natural food, you know, introduction to solid foods and, and eat more naturally. And then homeschooling just kind of was in this whole environment of the family together, the domestic church. And it's one of those things that I've been talking to my pastor about, how do we evangelize families back? It's one of the things that I was speaking to my husband about, because for the daily reading, it was talking about in Genesis about how the new Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. And all of a sudden, the children of Israel became a threat to him rather than an asset or a partnership. And I find that that's probably one of those things. I'm a catechist and evangelist by heart. That that's part of the problem is we don't know how to pull back our faith. We have many young families that they know they're Catholic, but they don't know what that means. And they also don't know what a family means in this day and age, right? So anyway, yeah. I, sorry, I just went off on a tangent there, but but I was just thinking for your mentors and those who want to create this ministry that it would go alongside a baptism program. Like if you had some sort of flyer or something in the pre-baptism program, like, oh, by the way, we're here, or even the NFP, like that's why I wanted you on this podcast because as a billings instructor, I'm like, yeah, this is a great resource for, and I've had a number of clients who've contacted me after postpartum and they're breastfeeding. And personally, I always give them so much kudos because trying to learn how to chart while you're breastfeeding is like, a, you, you don't know what the, you don't know your baseline. So trying to do that, but they've been successful and they find it very enjoyable and just very educational. But I think part of it is, is that with breastfeeding, they're already open to recognizing what their body's doing. And that's one of those things that I'd love for you to talk to about as an IBCLC is the benefit of breastfeeding of a, a woman understanding her own body and recognizing the signs of breastfeeding and needing to breastfeed and needing to wean too, right? Tell me a little bit about what your experience is, because you've been on IBCLC for a long time since... So I guess 15 or 16 okay, years, yeah, something yeah, like was, that. Like One of the things that I'm very passionate about is like, I want women to gain back their power through understanding their own bodies and appreciating their own bodies. Like their bodies are made for good and they have a purpose and the purpose is co-creating, right? So how have you seen that aspect of a woman once she's been breastfeeding, like her own level of maturity or her own level of confidence? Like, have you seen that? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking about my own experience because I just remember how significant breastfeeding was for my own well-being of who I am. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think just by experiencing motherhood and having children and going through that, but the breastfeeding too, I think working through any challenges or any issues that come up, and we're in learning to work it out between you and your baby. I just think that gives you so much confidence as a mom. And then like you were talking about the beauty of the human body, the way God made us. I mean, by just a mom knowing that this baby grew inside them and now they're nourishing that baby at their breast and their baby is growing and getting chubby and that helps confidence too, but it also helps with kind of the beauty of just how God made us. And then, yes, if the breastfeeding delays their fertility or if they use natural family planning, like all that plays into just the beauty of your body, the natural 
aspects. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So share with me a little bit, Gina, about the husband's role in breastfeeding, because sometimes I have heard that like, well, I want to help feed the baby as well kind of thing. But share with us, how do you encourage the family with dad? Where does dad play into this mother-child relationship? So I would say the dad, first and foremost, is there to support and take care of his wife. That one of his big roles by helping her get set up with pillows and something to drink and a snack and getting her comfortable to breastfeed. And then if she's having problems, maybe talking about it with her, calling the lactation consultant for her. If she's having any kind of depression or any kind of emotional things going on, you can help her with that. Either if it's something that he can help with and they can just talk a lot, or if it's something where he needs to call somebody. And then with the baby, he can really do anything except the mom is breastfeeding the baby. So once she nurses the baby for 20 minutes, the half an hour, however long the nursing session is, he can take the baby and burp the baby and then change the baby's diaper, play with the baby. I really think that the dads should kind of focus on those kinds of things, at least in the beginning. And of course, cuddling with the baby, taking the baby for a walk, all those kinds of things. And then the dads should just know that in a couple of months when the babies are going to start solids, then he could help with that. He can help feed the baby the solids or help the baby learn how to use a sippy cup when they're the right age. And so the dad is has a huge role here. He just has to remember that just in those, especially before the baby's on solids, the mom is going to be doing the nursing, but he can do almost anything else, you know. Um, even during the night, even if they're co-sleeping, if for some reason the baby's a little fussy, then the baby, then the dad could maybe walk the baby around a little bit and try to calm him down enough to take the breast again or, you know, or whatever the situation may be. I love that. We have such memories of that. My husband, he would be the night parent. And that's exactly what he would do is because I learned that as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm awake. So I would nurse, I would roll over nurse the baby. And then he would take the baby either before or after, usually it was after, and then change the baby, get up and change the baby. And then as the children got older, especially with the toddlers, you're in the bed nursing one baby and the older kid has a, a nightmare or something like that. He would get up and take care of those little ones. And my youngest is now 18 and my children just know, well, first of all, I'm not a night person at all. My husband is, I'm like usually asleep before any of them, but they just know that anything at night they need to call him. And even I remember my daughter was 12 and she was having a stomach ache and she came into our room, but instead of coming over to my side of the bed, she came to daddy's side of the bed because that was his role is that daddy is the night parent. I think that is such a great gift in that, again, it's not competitive roles, it's complementary roles. And so when we honor the mother and the baby, then dad gets to take on the role that he's called to do. Like you said, he's called to guide, he's called to protect, he's called to care for the mom, get her the water that she needs, get her a snack. I remember one time early on, my husband actually cut my food and I was at first offended. Like I can, and then I realized, oh no, I can't do that because I'm nursing the baby at the table. Like I don't have any hands and his attentiveness and his tenderness of caring for me in that way was just a beautiful moment for me. 
And of course, my willfulness, my independence was like, I can do this myself. But then I realized, no, I can't do this by myself. And that's part of that husband stepping in and truly being the protector, the guardian, right? And so I love the breastfeeding family. It really is a breastfeeding family, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's just so awesome. So share with us as we start to close a little bit about the benefit spiritually of breastfeeding. How have you grown in your spiritual life as a breastfeeding mom? Because you've been breastfeeding, what, you have five children and each of them were three years. So I'm thinking you've been breastfeeding for... I breastfed for about 15 or 16 years. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm no longer breastfeeding. My my youngest is 11 now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, but about about 15 or 16 years. Okay. So I think just being a a mom, but also through breastfeeding, you learn all those virtues like kindness and patience and love. And even mothers who aren't breastfeeding will learn those virtues too. But I think with breastfeeding, it's like you're giving your body to feed your baby, just like Jesus gave his body up for us. And so I think it's even, you know, a stronger of those virtues and then well when you're breastfeeding or just being a mom you're always running into challenges and so you always need to pray right there's always something going on that you need to pray about because you're not sure what's the next step or what do I do next or I'm really having a hard time with this and so I think it helps develop your prayer life definitely beautiful That's so, so beautiful. I want to thank you, Gina, so much for willing to step up and start this new movement. One of the things that I have learned in my old age is that as you look at the Catholic church history is that every age, every season, we have new movements based on what we call the poverty of the people, right? The vineyard needs to be replenished and cared for and you and Sheila Kipley and Pamela, you saw this need that while La Leche League is a good and, and holy organization, and it has served many, many women all over the world in different ways, you saw a need for Catholic women that need that bonding, that need that education, that need the support in a Catholic context with the Catholic virtues and the Catholic verbiage being able to be prayed over. And like you said, you can start in prayer, which was missing because we don't do that in La Leche League at all. And, you know, again, we're respecting it. It's kind of like, we're going to respect everybody. So we don't get to talk about it at all, which that's just a choice that La Leche League made at the beginning. So, but thank you. I really pray that the Lord will bless this organization, that more women will come to understand breastfeeding and really take that chance on breastfeeding because it is such a gift that our bodies have. It's a talent that our bodies were created for. And it really isn't apples to apples. It's really apples to lemons. And that's one of the reasons why I became a La Leche League leader is just because I just talked about the benefits of breastfeeding so much all the time. And there's still women in our parish and they all know, like, that's why I go by Mama Jane, just because I mama the mamas. They know that all of this stuff I love. I I love talking about birthing. I love talking about breastfeeding. I love talking about 
fertility. I just, I just love it all because I give glory to God. God created us this way. And so this is just another way of giving him glory because we're so wonderfully and magnificently made and uniquely made. Right. And so if we can help, and I've just seen it in our own family, the benefit on family life too, right? How breastfeeding helps the other children too. I have a really funny story, like an aha moment for me on how this affects our children in a good way. When I was nursing my oldest son, he'll be 28 in November. He was about seven or eight months old. And we went to go visit my husband's family and his mom, you know, in the 50s, 60s, didn't breastfeed because formula, only poor people, that was the attitude, right? So only poor people needed to breastfeed or whatever. So he had a year 11 or 12 year old nephew and we were at the pool and I had a breastfeeding bathing suit. And this nephew, like he completely freaked out because he saw a little bit of my breast and he went to his mom and was like, Aunt Jane, I see her breast. And so she tried to explain to him like, well, she's feeding the baby, she's feeding Johnny. And he's like, what? Because he'd never seen it. And of course, I felt embarrassed, da, 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 all that stuff. Well, then we came home the next week and we were at a homeschool group. And I had another friend whose son was, we were both pregnant and we were a week apart. And we were in a somebody's kitchen and he was crawling somewhere. And her older son, who was about the same age, about 12 years old, picked him up and brought him into the kitchen and said, mom, and her son's name was John too, which was funny. John needs to eat. And it was such a contrast of reactions. And I remember telling my husband, this son, Eric was his name. This young man, Eric, understood the gift of breastfeeding. And he didn't think seeing a breast was abnormal or sexual or any of that. Whereas this nephew, he was embarrassed and he was kind of freaked out and everything. And I'm thinking, if that's the one thing, I mean, I don't know. I just saw the whole connectedness of how the ramification of the gift of our breasts and the gift of feeding with our breasts rather than this sexual connotation and all of the pictures and all of the innuendos of that instead of breasts are a good and holy thing because God has created them. And I was blessed to go to St. Augustine to La Leche, the shrine of La Leche Lake. Nuestra Señora La Leche Buen Parto. I love to say the whole thing. And you can actually see a little bit of her breast on the statue, which is so beautiful, which is so cool that it's like, yeah, Mother Mary nursed Jesus because that was really the only thing, right? So right. Um, it's just so beautiful. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about breastfeeding or about you or about the Catholic Nursing Mothers League? I guess I just just encourage everyone to come to my website, my blog and just take a look. I've been trying to post articles lately about once a week, and I try to pick different topics, mothering or breastfeeding or ecological breastfeeding, or sometimes more on the spiritual end. And you're welcome to send me an email. And even ladies who aren't interested in becoming a mentor, but would like to receive a book, I mail out books as gifts. And I mail out the nursing gift bags as gifts. And I also make prayer shawls for nursing moms. And those are gifts also. 
Wow. That, so, what a great baby gift. What a great baby shower gift. That's super. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to definitely look into that real quickly. One more thing, because I'm hearing you giving away so much. And I understand as an entrepreneur that it takes money to make money and things like that. Do you have on your website a way for if someone like, let's say for instance, because I have a lot of older women that listen to my podcast, believe it or not. And some of them are like, well, where were you 20 years ago when I was this way, you know, but if they wanted to support you financially, is there a way on the blogs to support this organization? Yes, there is. There's a spot that says donate. And so I have my mailing address and also a link to PayPal also. Oh, perfect. So if they want to make a donation that way too. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, that's a beautiful baby shower gifts or baptism gifts, a prayer shawl, a book. Like you said, you have a packet. So it's a nursing mother gift bag and it has a one decade rosary in it. And depending on the theme, it might have a medal in it. And then it has like a little picture of Mary nursing Jesus on there. And then it has like our business card in there so with our website and everything. So, so I mail those out and then books, we mail out breastfeeding and Catholic motherhood and breastfeeding, natural child spacing. And then the book that I wrote, and then also the breastfeeding book by uh, Martha and William Sears. Oh, yes. That's fantastic. I kept that for years and years. That's such a wonderful resource. <laughs> I love I yeah, love them. Yeah, and they're Catholic. Yes. So. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I used to have their whole series <laughs> once upon a time. Yeah. They're just a great resource. Yeah. Well, super. Well, we will include the blog link in the show notes. And please, ladies and gentlemen, as you listen to this, if you are touched by this interview, I want to encourage you to, you know, maybe the Lord is going to be placing on your heart that you may want to start a Catholic Nursing Mothers League. And maybe maybe you're not a nursing mother, but you want to somehow financially support this organization. Or maybe you teach catechism, you teach RCIA, you teach baptism, you may do retreats. We would love to have you support Gina and her organization. So thank you so much, Gina, for everything you do. And God bless you. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to invite you to the Uniquely Beautifully You program. The registration form is in the show notes, and I look forward to serving you.